Welcome to the Layer of Secrets podcast. I'm David Moore, and I'm spending all of my time debugging code. And I'm Ken Newquist, and I just spent my entire weekend selling bacon s'mores at Easton, Pennsylvania's Bacon Fest. So, so very much bacon. <laughs> and today we've got two guests coming all the way from Beloit, Wisconsin, uh, Matt and Marty Forbeck. They're here to talk about their project currently on Kickstarter, Shotguns and Sorcery, a noir game about a city, a dragon, and lots of zombies. Uh, is that <laughs> well, is that an accurate that, that's a description? good description? I think yeah. that fits perfectly. We might have to copyright that now. Just <laughs> put yeah. on the side and say, yes, that's it. That's at least as good a tagline as the one we have. God, I don't think we've developed too many taglines for this thing. We always like people are like, what's it about? Like just word vomit, right? But yeah, that's pretty much it. Zombies, dragons, big city, noir, all that good stuff. So. Yeah, elevator pitches are hard. But you you evidently did it because it did fund in 24 hours. Oh, it funded in four hours, actually. Four hours, okay. Yeah. So it, it did pretty well. Mostly that's because what you do is you you uh, hit your mailing list hard. You tell people, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, sign up. And then, you know, eventually they get the email and they're like, oh, I should probably do that. So. Um, there's this whole science of pre-launch for Kickstarter nowadays where you have to tell everybody a month ahead of time that you're doing this and uh, try to get them to sign up so that they go right away. And then you can say, oh, God, we funded in X hours or 20 seconds or whatever. And uh, it's a big marketing thing. So not that I understand all this. I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's it, Kickstarter has changed over the years, and it seems like uh, they've gotten... Like you said, there's a science to it now that that they've figured out to get people to to fund for it. Um, but I, I I'd like to also think that they're that people are going there because they are interested in in it, not just have been bombarded by emails. So oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I mean, it's kind of this, marketing for me is like this black magic, right? I mean, and yeah, a lot of times I'm just distrustful of it because people are like, I can sell that for you. I'm like. But can you, you know, yeah. how much is it going to cost me to sell this really is the real question. Uh, we actually tried teaming up with Backerkit on this one. They, we're going to use them for the pledge manager. They have this marketing program oh, okay. and uh, they, they set a return on ad spend, like a multiple that you're trying to reach. Right. And after like two or three days in it, we're like, man, it's not getting anywhere close there. I'm not sure why they don't know why uh, the ads weren't working. But uh, on the other hand, I'm, I'm trying to take that as us hitting everybody who knew about this or, or wanted to know about it pretty hard before that. So they mm -hmm. came in without the ads. So, I mean, I mean, like I said, it funded in four hours. So I wasn't feeling bad about it. Just right. kind of wondering if I could get it to, you know, take off at some point. Apparently, you need to do either a big line with lots of miniatures or have Avatar uh, as your license or something. Yeah. Like that. yeah, yeah. Or, or what used to work in the past was lots and lots of stretch goals that you could not actually deliver on because of right. shipping. Right. You know. Exactly. And we avoided that. Like the yes. Play. Right. Uh, we did add some stretch goals to this and I actually debated about it a long time. Should we add stretch goals or not? I'm like, eh, let's only add stretch goals that don't add any shipping costs and don't add very much in the way of developing time or costs either, because otherwise we're just going to delay this thing. And nobody likes that. I mean, we right. want to deliver the thing in a timely manner. We don't want to spend a ton of more time on it. And I don't want to promise people a line of books, right? I mean, this is the one book's enough, honestly, for this thing. Or, and if you know if somebody backs up a truckload of money to my front door, I'll be happy to write them a whole line. <laughs> but barring that scenario, uh, I don't see the point of going out there and promising people things that's going to take me three years to deliver. So, yeah. so we've kind of talked around 
shotguns and sorcery, but right, I don't think, I don't know that many of our uh, audience actually knows too much about shotguns and sorcery. So okay. could you, uh, other than the, the elevator pitch, can you give a, can, can brilliant you give a, a better, a more drawn out pitch? So shotguns and sorcery is a, in this case, it's a fifth edition source book for your world's most popular role-playing game that we can't tell you is Dungeons and Dragons, right? Because of trademark issues. I think we can say it here. Um, yeah, I think in passing, <laughs> it's for use with that game that everybody already knows. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you can't use it in your marketing and stuff like that, right? You're not allowed, you're allowed to use their trademark. Uh, anyhow, it's a fifth edition source book for uh, Dungeons and Dragons, essentially, that is originally based upon a set of novels that I wrote that came out in 2012 and short stories before that, that, that was in turn based upon a pitch I did for a third edition Dungeons and Dragons setting that uh, I was going to do. And then my wife got pregnant with quadruplets and I had to shelve for a long time. So now that the quads are 19 years old, we can get back to doing this stuff apparently. But yeah, Shock of the Sorcery is all about uh, the dragon empire. So what happens is in about 500 years ago, uh, zombie apocalypse goes forth upon the entire continent and destroys just about everything. And the last survivors of the free peoples race to the mountain. It's kind of like the lonely mountain from the Hobbit. It's got a dragon that lives in it. It's an active volcano or it's a hidden active volcano. Um, and uh, they come in there and say, dragon volcano. There's actually lava that runs through it. It's not a volcano, but you know, that's where they, uh, Marty's like, really? I'm, don't you remember the part in the books where they actually, there, there's, okay, the, there's lava up top uh, of this. I'm, I'm interrupting your lore dump here. I'm making this, this podcast. <laughs> okay. Wow. To question you I forgot he's my shill. He's a good shill. I've trained him uh, for years. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, there's a, it's an active volcano. Wow. I would buy a book. Well shilled. <laughs> so anyhow, the, uh, the, they come to the dragon. They say, dragon, save us from the zombies. The dragon says, that's a lot of zombies, guys. And I can't really kill them all. But what I can do is kill all the zombies in the area long enough for you to build a wall around the city. And then we will end up crackling like crazy. That my microphone doing? We'll figure it out. Uh, uh, we'll end up, uh, you know, you'll build a wall around the city and then we'll set a, a pact here where we form a government around the city. I am going to be the dragon emperor and rule you forever, right? So they set this up with the dragon. Then the dragon emperor lives at the top of the mountain in the dragon spire. And then below that, we have the elven reaches where the elves live. And then the stronghold where the dwarves live, the gnome town, the big burrow where the halflings live, the village where most of the humanity lives. And then Goblin Town, where all the quote-unquote evil races live. Uh, the goblins, the orcs, the kobolds, the ogres, whatever. Right uh, up against the wall where you can actually still hear the zombies moaning and clawing at the stones every night. Um, so it's got that kind of dark feeling to it. And what's happened, though, is that over the last 500 years, these people have been put into a pressure cooker where they've had to deal with this kind of uh, thing going on outside them and being trapped there. So things have evolved. I mean, one of the things about your traditional high fantasy world is that they tend to stay the same forever. It's this idyllic farmland that uh, nobody ever advances. It's 2000, three ages later, and still they're farming stuff and never you know, forming cities, really. But in this case, they've developed a little bit further. They've gotten to like 1910, 1920 or so, as far as what we would think of that as being. So now we have shotguns, we have rifles, we have pistols, we have glow globes that will actually light up when you walk into a room or if you tap a panel on a wall like a light, uh, light bulb would. Um, we have, uh, if you want to get from one part of the city to the other, you stick up your hand and a 
taxi will fly down out of the sky uh, as a flying carpet, pick you up and take you wherever you want to go, right? Um, so there's all sorts of potential for adventure. There's lots of crazy things happening. Uh, the streets have this noirish 1920s Chicago or L.A. feel to them where, uh, you know, it's down these mean streets a man must walk lest he become mean himself, that kind of a thing. Uh, you get to go out and do adventures in the uh, surrounding area where they're all all the zombies are still there and have basically protected it from other scavengers for the last 500 years. You have to find out where you can get to. Um, and then you can have also more uh, interesting personal type adventures inside the city as well. And Marty looks like he's dying to say something. Are you, are you no, I'm not dying to say anything. <laughs> you, you bungled that Raymond Chandler quote, but that's, that's not right. I um, did. Uh, uh, my favorite Raymond Chandler quote is, is, if you get stuck in a story, have somebody walk in with a gun. Right? So now you can do that. <laughs> with, this, with this book. So. I mean, it's kind of like uh, kind of like the the colloquial wisdom with D&D is like when the, when the game is uh, going slow, ninjas attack. All right, exactly. Right, roll for <laughs> initiative. Whatever the hell you're doing. Yeah. What for? I don't know. We get, <laughs> we're going to get. We're going to do combat for a while. So. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a good setting. Here, I'm trying to shield for you. You're clearly tired. <laughs> oh yeah. See, oh, I'll I'll I can see in the video feed. It's it's it's. Uh, you, you often say it's 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 meanest tearth meets the lonely mountain meets 1920s Los Angeles or Chicago. Right. Yeah. Meets it's, uh, <laughs> so. It's fantasy noir. That's that's our real tagline. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe not as good tagline, but that's the real one. It's it's on the poster behind you. That's right. Yeah. yeah. We had that uh, oh. game hole con. Woohoo! Look, it's a big banner. Yeah. Marty and Excellent. I ran nine Excellent. events at game hole con, running shotguns and sorcery for people. And getting them involved, so they'd all sign up for our Kickstarter page and go to the pre-launch and blah blah blah. But uh, we had a good time with it too. Actually, it was a lot of fun, you know, uh, doing the adventure, the same adventure over and over, and having people do it and solve the problems in radically different ways. Right? Yeah. Sometimes disturbing ways. <laughs> Marty had one crew. He's like, they killed everybody. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get people, and then things got dark. Kill each other in like one shot. It's like, well, you get to the end of the adventure, they all just look at each other. Exactly. Suddenly, reservoir kind of reservoir dogs ending. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Now that's one of the things about this because the weapons rules are actually pretty deadly. You know, modern day shotguns and and rifles and such, but they're enchanted too, so you can get like a plus two rifle or whatever. But you can also get ones that reload when you tap them on the ground, or shotguns where you can actually toss enchanted shells in there that fire spells, which are kind of fun. Um, and all the ammo is armor piercing. So nobody bothers with armor anymore because you're lugging it around for no damn reason at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of that, it becomes much more deadly. And I actually prefer that in a lot of, one of my favorite things messing with role-playing games is twisting the le- lethality dial up to 11, um, because it encourages people to actually role-play that, right? It's not like, let's go in and just kill everything. Well, you could try that, but you know, unless you know what you're doing, you're probably going to get shot and yeah. that's going to ruin your whole day. So. Yeah, I, fifth edition, um, and I'm not as familiar with Cipher, which this game has also come out for earlier. Right. Um, and for those listening, the, the uh, what was it, the bundle of holding, you also have yep. the Cipher version up for the same amount of time that the Kickstarter is up. So. Correct, yeah. No coincidence there. Uh, Alan Varney, who runs the bundle of holding, contacted me, said, you're running a Kickstarter? 
uh, let's sell your Cypher system stuff at the same time. So you basically get $75 for the PDFs for 18 bucks, right? Which is a good deal. Yeah. Um, give you everything you need to play for the Cypher system version of that came out. Well, it was a Kickstarter that ran 2015. Then the game did come until 2020. Uh, we were not in charge of that one. We're running it now. But that's one of the reasons that uh, we're, we made sure that when we did this version of it, that Marty had actually written all the fifth edition rules already before we actually launched the Kickstarter. Right. Uh, we have some polish we're doing. We just hired on Rob Schwalb as our developer for it. Uh, Rob uh, wrote the Cypher system rules for the original Shotguns and Sorcery role-playing game mm -hmm. and was also one of the designers of 5th edition, the actual original three books. So no, you know, nobody else is going to know this property and how to work it with 5th edition better than Rob. So, I mean, Marty did a hell of a job with it, but Rob's going to be able to go and say, hmm, I would see what you did here and tweak it just a little bit better.
sensing a pattern. Uh, and, uh, I mean, honestly, if, you, if you're in a PDF, you can get both for under 50 bucks, right? You get yeah, the yeah, but the, and I believe the bundle of holding yeah. just has like the base cipher system book, right? No, it's got everything. Oh, does it have does it have yeah. uh, the the supplements and everything? It's got everything except for the Pathfinder conversion, which obviously okay. didn't well, the ciphers. Part of it is because the cipher system is licensed for Monty Cook, so anything I had to pay Monty and his crew a royalty for went into this thing, and that meant I didn't have to like say, okay, but we tossed in this other stuff that I don't have to pay Monty a royalty for. How do I figure out the let me let me do math. Yeah. <laughs> exactly and right. you know what's what's right. fair and then i got to negotiate that all out. much right. simpler to say all this money here that comes in i have to pay monty his percentage right? right makes good sense so there are a couple small things like the pathfinder conversion book them that which is basically him just kind of stepping up and saying okay now i get this now i'm ready for 5e because i've done this with pathfinder uh, which is essentially you know 3.75 or whatever because um, yep. we were doing Pathfinder First Edition, because that's when the game, when we did the Kickstarter, that's what they had. Yeah, I, I wrote right. the uh, like a forty-page just like stats conversion kit for Pathfinder as, as one of the final like gotcha. contractual obligation things for the original <laughs> Kickstarter, <laughs> which we took over at the end when uh, the original guys uh, had some problems. Uh, yeah. Had well, some problems. Yeah. Uh, they, they're actually doing pretty well on their own stuff. It's Outland Entertainment. They do great books and games and everything else. But this was kind of this thing that it just dragged along for them because when they were starting out, they had some initial stumbles. And mm -hmm. it, it, uh, after five years, the license was expiring. And we talked about whether or not we should extend it. I'm like, guys, are you enthusiastic about this anymore? Or is it just like, I just want to get it done? Because if that's the case, let's just get it done and then we'll move on to do other stuff, right? And yeah. I'll help you out with that. We'll own the entire thing and we'll, we'll sell it. Uh, and we just kind of had a heart to heart. And Jeremy Moeller, who actually does our cover artwork and is the publisher of Outland, great guy. We looked at each other and said, you know, yeah, I think we're right. Let's just call it quits here, and then we'll move on to doing different things. It's fine. It's good to hear that it turned out so amicably, because you, you sometimes hear about stuff like that, that either yeah. kill a company or bad blood or whatever. And, I'm, I, you know, sometimes it's it's nice just to, to hear that, like, okay, we got it across the finish line. One person's passionate about it. They're going to they're gonna take it off and run with it. And the other person, they're going to do what their passion is is for. Exactly. Yeah, I've, I've been involved in enough gaming industry stuff. I've been involved in so many different gaming industry things over the years that have failed. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of them have done really well, too. But, you know, nobody ever gets in this thinking, oh, I'm going to screw everybody over and make it make their lives hell, right? Everybody's right. saying, I'm going to do this cool thing and it's going to be great. We're going to make money and we're going to have fun and whatever. And, you know, when it goes bad, it, it's not anybody's intention for it to go yeah. bad. There's right. no the, ill will there. So the, the, we're not going to get into it, but the, the reasons they had for, for, for not delivering for so long were good reasons. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. Yeah. And, you know, I, honestly, I hired Jeremy to do the, new, the cover for the new game, for the fifth edition version as well. I, he made a brand new cover. I paid him cash money for it um, because it was, you know, past his obligations for the previous stuff. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, you know, I love your stuff. Let's, let's do this again. So. Uh, cool. He's going to be providing some more interior artwork for it as well. Very cool. Not a lot, just a few pages that we need. We're going to need some pickup stuff. Essentially, gotcha. once we get it into the layout, we're going to say, oh, we need a picture of this right here. What the hell is Because yeah, uh, we're reusing most of the artwork. From yeah, the that was one of the We're just hopefully going to make this go much quicker. Yeah, exactly. well, and art is it can be quite an ex quite an expenditure on, yeah, on gaming products. Big as the game design writing budget, right, for a gaming product. So yeah. sometimes bigger. And uh, so for us to be able to do this and step up and say, well, we only need 10 grand to fund this because basically we're paying Marty in the printing and shipping bill. Great, right? Um, and otherwise, we would have had to ask for a to be able to the entire book. 
Plus, it means that, again, 95% of the artwork is done. So we don't have to worry about putting that money up front and then sure. hoping the Kickstarter will fund. We're actually already in the gravy by the time we hit our funding goal. Cool. Yeah, so you mentioned uh, printing and shipping. Uh, yeah. How does that distribution stuff work with COVID and, it's and all really this stuff tricky. going on? <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's been nine years since I ran my last Kickstarter. I'm like, holy shit, things have changed. Um, uh, so, <laughs> yeah, and, and my, my willingness to put up with this stuff up to it, like, Last time, so I'm like, oh, we're just going to put it all in the garage. We'll we're not going to. So we ended up hiring Atlas Games, partnering with them to actually do the fulfillment. I think you just cut out for a second. Oh, yeah, for some I reason, you're cutting out a couple of times. but It's either the desk or my uh, uh, my internet connection. But um, So I was saying, we we partnered with Atlas Games to actually do fulfillment on Don't want to bother with you know having you know crates of, of games and taking up a spot in my garage. For, uh, months at a time and atlas knows how to ship to the entire world right especially with things like uh international shipping and the vat taxes now for going into every different country in the eu mm. it's really complex as far as doing all this stuff part of that is why we're also not charging shipping on this we're charging shipping and backer kit once the campaign is over right because again if we if we manage to get the books printed and they come out in august is when we're projecting but i think we'll be in, end up getting it done before that but let's say it comes out in august we don't know what their shipping prices are going to be then, right? Yeah. Uh, they could eat us alive, could eat every dime of profit. And I don't think anybody wants us to put this thing out and then crawl into a hole and never come out of it. So, um, you know, so we're saying, look, guys, we're going to charge whatever shipping is. We're not going to charge you any extra. In fact, the money that we have to pay Atlas Games to fill this, that's coming out of our other way, right? Got but it. the shipping charges themselves will be whatever the hell uh, the cheapest, best way 